But um, so you can just let this part of putting something in the offering pass by you if you're a guest here today. You can also give online. Um, you'll see these different things up here at Refuge Church New England, and you can uh, the Give at, app at Bivenco, or we have a box in the back, and you can just put your offering in the box, not the guitar, but it's beside the guitar. Okay, and so we just want to pray for the offering at this time, and I just thank you all so much for your generosity. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you first gave to us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that there will be no more weeping because, God, Mike is standing right before you, and we just thank you, God, so much for this church. We thank you for the kindness of those who have gone before. We thank you that we celebrate our anniversary, and we just thank you so much for all that you have done for us, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to read this amazing portion of scripture. Um, and, it, and everyone can stand. It's Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 9. And it's very powerful and it's so good as we think back on Mike's life, as we think back on the years at Refuge Church, as we celebrate today seven years of God's faithfulness. So Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 9. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that a man, as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Know then in your heart, oh, wait a second, I'm, I'm on a different part. Um, serve, this has a staple, sorry. Serve the, the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, the land with brooks, streams, and deep springs, gushing out into the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. You may be seated, and let's just pray for the uh, message that Kyle's going to bring to us today. Heavenly Father, we just come to you, we worship you, and thank you for your word. We thank you as we have this opportunity to remember. Remember your faithfulness. Remember that you will never leave us or forsake us. We ask that you put your um, finger upon Kyle's lips as he brings forth your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, good morning, friends. <clears throat> Okay, well, <clears throat> this 
morning, um, we, um, we're not expecting the sort of events that um, has happened. And um, you all by now have heard of the news of the passing of our dear brother and our dear friends, Mike Asselin, um, who we love and miss. Um, if you're new, relatively new to our church, um, or maybe this is your first time here, um, Mike passed away this past Monday, and he served faithfully for years in our booth, um, providing for us the sound and the different things that we um, see um, and enjoy here on Sunday morning. Um, we've known his family for many years and his children, and of course he'll be missed. He worked alongside his daughter Sam, who was, I think, there with her mom in the back, and um, we just um, are so grateful that you're here with us this morning, Sue and Sam. And is Gabby here too? I see Gabby too. Thank you, Gabby, for being here. Um, Mike was the kindest person you could know. And, um, and he faithfully served us for, for years, not only with um, what he did in the back, um, but just with his friendship and um, with his encouragement. He, he was a, a person for me personally in my life, as many of you are too, um, who just always built me up and encouraged me. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a difficult morning um, for, for many of us. We intended and are celebrating our seventh anniversary, um, but we, we sort of felt that some of the way in which we were celebrating it um, should wait till next week. Um, and we just kind of felt like that we, we should just adjust sort of a little bit of what we were going to do today. Um, I was going, basically, just so you know, I was going to sort of reflect on this past year, and then Joe was going to come up after me and give just like hope for the future, and then we were going to have some snacks afterwards. And um, we just felt like let's, let's split it up into two parts. And this part will be a week of remembering, and next week will be a, a week of seeing the future. Because um, we can do that here. We have that power. <laughs> um, so we're going to spend some time remembering um, not only what God has done for us as a church this past year, but also our brother Mike. Um, <clears throat> so our admonition, as you, you kind of heard from um, the scripture reading, is very simply to remember. Psalm chapter 25, verse 6 reads, Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love. For they are from old. God has always loved. Our text this morning, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness, places we don't want to be, causing you to hunger, but then feeding you with manna and teaching us that we don't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we are called to remember that in times of plenty and in times of want, our Lord has been faithful and has provided all of our needs. Amen? So I want to I reflect a little bit on this past year. I'm going to start with just remembering a little bit about our brother Mike. Um, so <clears throat> I believe, yeah, Mike's there on the right. Actually, this is easy. That's our fifth anniversary. And we had a brother and sister move to Maine that Mike was very close with, and he came and prayed with them, if you recall. Um, they love the Patriots, as you can see. And there's someone in the back that loves the Patriots, too. <laughs> and they had a very special time, Mike and Sam, his daughter Sam, 
just what, a few weeks ago, it feels like, right? Where you went to the, the Patriots game and you had never been? That's right. And they had never been to a game together, so that was just a gift for them to be able to enjoy that, to get such a, a love for the game. They were able to enjoy that together. Oops. And um, many of our potlucks, um, Mike brought food and just was a super encouragement, and we always enjoy doing those, but those were prior to COVID. I don't, I don't have any clue what this is for, but it's fun. So does anyone remember what they're doing up there? Oh, yeah, yeah, it does look like it, doesn't it? And this is um, them holding Holden, that's Holden, right? And we were dedicating him um, so that the, that the Aslan family um, basically had a, um, what do you call it, um, a foster child and um, t took care of him for some time and they get, showed him a lot of love and compassion during that time. And there was, uh, there, that's actually them sitting in the booth, Mike and Sam, um, that worked so hard for many years for us. Jamie, um, working and serving. And you can kind of see him um, to the left of this picture, kind of in the middle of the table. That, that's a wonderful event we had where we had, was it soup for, uh, was it Maundy Thursday? Soup soup night? That was really, really a lot of fun. And Mike, Mike was there. He was at everything. And um, just remembering his love for you, his people, uh, his church, um, just his love for the community that God brought him to. And we've seen Mike um, grow over the years, too, just in his love for Jesus Christ, his love for the Word, and um, how, how that was developed through fellowship in the men's ministry um, and just um, friendships with Bill and others, um, how, how we just saw him just blossom in his faith. We're so thankful for, that we got to be able to see this. And this is a, especially a sobering picture because I think, where is Mike in it? Yeah, there he is in the back, and Fran's in the front. And on this, uh, near, near the end of the service here, he got to work with um, some kids in the community that um, needed to do some service uh, in the community. And uh, Mike spent some time with a couple of them, I think. Two or three? Yeah, and week after week he came here and worked with them and showed him how to do, do um, what, what he does back there and just showed him the love of Christ. And, um, and it's, it's a good thing to remember what God has done and the friendship that he's brought to us in our life, the husband and um, father and saint that is now with Christ, um, that we will miss him dearly. And, um, and as we consider, too, just um, this past year in general, um, what God has done for us in our church, um, how we've seen just um, Pat take a lot of leadership with serving our Indian um, friend um, and missionary overseas, <clears throat> Um, the thousands of dollars that were raised, um, I don't even know the exact number of, it's, it's, I think it was over $10,000 last year at least. Um, and we had all these, remember these parties where we were packing up blankets and candy and toys and Victor was putting a bike together or taking it apart. <laughs> and, and I think he was taking it apart so it would fit in a box um, with his grandson and just um, somehow all those boxes made it to mm -hmm. India by just like a miracle of God. And I'm not really sure what they're holding up, Pat. Do you know? Those are the blankets that they just packed. Oh, those are the blankets. Yeah, so you can see the blankets off in the distance, those red things in the back. Um, and, that, and a year later, there they are. Um, and this was also, I think, we provided some money for food. Isn't that true? 
Um, and just uh, and and we literally um, our missionary in India sends us just so many pictures. There's probably another 30 of these of all the different people that um, that we were able to our church was able to get food for. Um, and and this isn't to boast in us, but Jesus gave them food. Isn't that great news? Right? Like we don't take credit for that. We're going to get to that in a moment in our sermon. Um, but Jesus did that because Jesus loves those people. And um, he sent them money and toys and Bibles and, um, and bikes and food and all sorts of things. Um, and what a great thing. I, um, by the way, this man, this police officer, remember this? This was actually, I think, our anniversary last year. And um, we prayed for him for a few years to have a baby. He would fill out a, um, a card um, because he, him and his wife were having trouble having a baby. And year after year, we'd go back and they, they wouldn't have one. And finally, they told us, my wife is pregnant, and that's the baby in, in the back. And um, really amazing opportunity for me. This past week, um, I'm at Spin, which is like a bicycling thing at the gym. You can tell how good a shape I'm in, that I do that a lot. Um, you know, <laughs> so um, <laughs> it is hard. Yeah, I go with Stacy. Um, so, so I'm in the Spin class. This lady on the t- side of me is talking to me. And um, we're chatting. She asked me what I do. Well, it's before the class started, so we're warming up a little. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor at Refuge Church. And then this lady in the back, like kind of near the back of the room, just was like, what church? And I'm like, Refuge Church. You go to Refuge Church? <gasps> she was like, You're, you prayed for my son to have a baby um, for years. It was his mother. <laughs> and I and I'd met her before a few times, but we just never kind of had that conversation, so what a great treat, and um, she was just super thrilled after the class, we're all sweating, and we spent some time talking together, and just so grateful to you, and she wanted me to tell you that, um, how thankful she is for this community, that, that, they, that you would pray for her son like this, and serve the police as well, um, so that was really cool, and um, here, here we got, are again just showing love, that we're normal, but not normal, to our community, um, just because we want to share, share Christ with them, and um, having opportunities to do that. And this this picture I love, because especially because of Daisy and Ariel, because they just look burdened, don't they? Like they can't carry that much, <laughs> but they did it, and they brought all the leftovers. Remember this Easter egg hunt? We did all the leftovers to the police to bless them again. Um, and this was Mother's Day, recall. You can see Mike in the back with Sam in the booth, um, just honoring our moms because Jesus wants us to honor our moms, right? Um, and then Maria trapped in the car trying to get out. Um, that's, this was something that, that our, our teenagers did to bless our church. They washed all our cars, remember? It was a lot of fun. And um, gra- um, this is one of our graduations um, from Sunday school that my wife did. Um, what a wonderful treat that we have to see kids grow up and how God is using them and teaching them and what a sweet boy he is um, and how we've seen them grow and, and just mature and have a compassion of Christ that's just so unique. Um, let's see here. Oh. Yeah, and this was more stuff that we were serving out with the Parks Department. We did a, I think this was a, uh, just a fun kind of movie day at the park. And um, this is when we did our backpacks, and there's Fran, um, us, us shoving all those. We did like 200 bags for the elementary school to show them love. And, they, and I, I've been getting like just trickling um, all these, like over, over the months since we did that, just thank you emails 
um, thank, like the teachers thank, especially because they loved those gift cards because we gave them gift cards. Um, every teacher got, I think, a $25 gift card or $20 gift card to, to a local restaurant, and they were just super um, stoked about that and just grateful that, um, that our church is being generous and so showing kindness to them. That's the principle. I get to take a picture with her. And there again is Mike and the, the kids that we got to serve as well. And just, um, oh, here we go. Let me go back. Oh, yeah, that was the, the skit that the kids did serving us again. And this was um, a really amazing thing that um, locally uh, there was this tragedy in Warren where a fireman was, was killed. Um, he was shot. And um, that day they called us. Uh, they called our church um, um, because Pat and, and others have been so aggressive and our church has been so aggressive in serving them. We've been such a presence in their life that we were the first people they called when, when that tragedy struck. And this is just some papers. I was at the funeral um, interacting with some people. That was just one of the displays of the man that passed away. Um, so, and, oh, and, and by the way, um, this is just coincidence, but we ended up giving um, gifts to them because we do a toy drive. Um, and somehow they got an email from someone, and um, we ended up s serving them in that way too. And this is Fran that we lost this past year that, that, um, that we'll miss terribly. And there are some really awesome things, too. A lot of awesome things. He gives and takes away, right? Um, Hosea and Tracy got married, and, and I danced, and I was good. Thank you, Hosea. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Um, it's so great to see. And then Hosea became a member of our church, and um, what a great time that was. This is our fifth, was it fifth year, Bill, of, um, in a row of uh, Operation Christmas Child, or sixth or something? Five, five years? Yeah, yeah, so the, what an amazing treat. They sent us a plaque, and um, a, we did it again. It was a lot of fun. Um, this was our Thanksgiving drive. We were giving baskets and food to all people, different people in the community for Thanksgiving. And, um, oh, a wonderful time again at the police station, this most recent one, where you see that, um, that picture there on the right was um, something that a local artist, Pat, commissioned a local artist to do something for the police and fire and first responders, and he did such a wonderful job, and we, the, um, you can't see it, but there's a Bible verse at the bottom, and now that's, that's hanging in every cop and fireman's house from Warren. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Um, so what a blessing that was, and all our kids serving them, and um, that was a blast. You know, and Pat turning 56. That's backwards. It, sh it should have, yeah, she just messed it up. Um, <laughs> happy birthday, Pat. All right. And this is, again, um, a toy drive. That, that's part of the, the, what I was mentioning before, um, where the, the Fall River Police Department actually gives us all these toys. And they actually gave us an overflow this year that we're sending to India, so isn't that great news? But um, God has done some great things for us this past year, and wonderful things. Um, things that we celebrate and rejoice, but things that we've lost in grief. Um, sometimes it seems as if those things come side by side. Isn't that true? Um, I'm doing this not to, to celebrate us, but to ce celebrate Jesus Christ. To remember with you all together how good our God is and what he does for us. Um, we don't deserve any of this. Um, this wasn't our plan. We, th we might think it was our plan. Oh, I organized that event or we did this. And um, God's behind it. God is behind it all and he provides everything for us. And I want to um, just consider a, a few things about our, our scripture text now with you.
um, as we remember, and we're told in Scripture to remember. Um, memories can be double-edged swords, can't they? Because you can have good ones and bad ones. <laughs> Our memories can recall <clears throat> times of, of great joy. I'm sorry, I'm just... Let's see, how long do I want to preach? Here we go. <laughs> we can recall times of great joy, wonderful milestones, provisions, marriages, blessings that God has done for us. Um, but our memories can also do things to us, mess with us in the reverse. Isn't that true? We can rehearse injuries, injustices, things done to us that we would never do to anyone else. We can recall by our memory, that same memory, things that we're ashamed of. We can repeat the pain and grief of hard loss. <clears throat> and oftentimes, I find, at least in my life, that those are the memories that we often try to escape. The, these are the conversations where we aim to change the subject. Or we just do a load of laundry. We lose ourselves in some television show or sports or, or video games because we just don't want to think about those things. So we, we, th those memories sort of plague us. They haunt us. So we aim to escape them. There's a uh, New York Times uh, best-selling author named Rita Mae Brown. And she, she once said, one of the keys to happiness is a bad memory. <laughs> we can feel like that sometimes. But if you read the Bible you'll know that it is absolutely not true. The Hebrew scriptures fundamentally disagree with this. And I would even argue on the level of tragedy. Because we see over and over again in scripture a remembering of tragedy. Why is this? Deuteronomy 9 tells Israel not to forget their sin. The sin that they committed. And the, don't forget that you sinned. That's not often how we think or talk about this. Psalm 106 is one of the longest psalms in the Psalter, and it rehearses Israel's sin in the wilderness and God's covenant faithfulness to them. That psalm, by the way, was written so that they could sing it in church. Imagine this. Not only sing it in church, but sing it in their private devotions. The psalm, that's what the Psalter is. It's a sort of hymnal for Israel. Imagine if our songs that we sang at Refuge recounted the specific ways that we had failed as a church. <laughs> you don't do that. He wasn't trying to shame Israel, by the way, but he was inviting them to remember the pain and the darkness that is the product of a life outside of his will. And he is inviting them to remember his gracious and undeserved salvation. You see, salvation is all the more sweet when we are good at remembering that we don't deserve it. Isn't that true? So we're called to remember four things in our text. We're called to remember trial, grace, the word of God, and hope. And we're going to blast through these, okay? Remember trial. Verse 2, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Oh, we're trying to forget that, God. We don't want to remember that. That was awful. Remember it to humble and to test you in order to know what is in your heart. 
whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger. And then in verse 5, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. So God invites Israel to remember their trouble. Remember their trouble. It's interesting because in verse 7 it reads that God is bringing you to a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. I notice for me, when I think about just kind of like life in general, and I mentioned this just a moment ago, it seems that at times, side by side, runs God's blessing and God's trial and tests. There have been days in my life as a pastor where in the same day I did a funeral and a wedding. Great rejoicing and celebration in one moment, yet in the same day you turn a corner and there's great grief and trial. And as we reflect on all that God has done this past year, we could note the same, couldn't we? He's given and he's taken away. In particular, that taken away part, I think, is most pronounced for us. Because he just took someone from us. And we see in our text, remember. He tells Israel, remember. And what are to they remember? They are to remember how God took something away from them and brought them to a difficult place. God wants them to remember this. How God brought them to a dry desert for 40 years. God did this to them. It wasn't Moses that brought them into the desert. It wasn't Pharaoh's fault. It wasn't some unlucky accident of fate. God led them to to a desert. And friends, if you're in a desert this morning, you're there by the hand of God. He's leading you and guiding you, and he loves you. And he's not leaving you there to die. He's not leading you there to perish. Oh, on the contrary, we'll get to that in a moment. The Lord has led us to places so often in life that we just prefer not to be in. Isn't that true? And he escorts us through these arid wastelands to test us, the scriptures say. To test us. To refine us. So that, so that we can know what's actually in our hearts, what makes us tick. To draw to the surface what we're most passionate about, what we love the most, what we cherish the most, what we are most devoted to. You know, for many of the Israelites, when this um, 40-year journey in the desert, if you recall, if you know the story in Exodus, when it got particularly difficult... They wanted to go back to Egypt. Isn't that true? They complained. See, what was in their heart was they really just wanted cucumbers and honey and food. And Moses hadn't brought them there yet, so they wanted to kill him and go back to Egypt. Yet others, like Moses, cried to the Lord. And he said, don't send us anywhere if you don't come with us. Do you recall that on Mount Sinai? God was about to completely toast all of Israel because they had built a golden calf and worshipped it. And God said, I'm done with them. They're gone. And and Moses said, God, please remember your covenant. And he says, okay, I'll remember my covenant. I'll send them to the promised land, but I'm not going with them. And Moses said, please don't send us anywhere if you don't come with us. In other words, I'd rather endure the most miserable and unhappy conditions with you 
than have everything this world has to offer without you. So the psalmist says, One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So we go through tests in life to draw to the surface what our hearts love most. Oh, and friends, might I ask, do, do, do your trials in life prove that you love the Lord? That you'd rather have the trial with him than no trial without him? And if you're, if you're anything like me, you'll know that at times that hasn't been the case. But our God is patient, and he's teaching us to love him in those moments. Tests have a way of drawing to the surface what we love and want most. If you've ever read Homer's Odyssey, Odysseus um, conquers um, at the Battle of Troy, and he is heading home to see his wife Penelope. And Odysseus traverses the dangers of the sea. He battles one-eyed cyclopses. He challenges armed soldiers when he's grossly outnumbered and outgunned. And he goes through all this because he has a singular vision. What these trials in his life draw to the surface, what, what they reveal about his heart is that what he loves most is two things, his wife and home. And he'll do anything to get there. And friends, that's what this is. That's what God calls us to remember our trial so that we can remember that what the reason he's put us on this earth was, was, is, is not to hurt us, but to bring us to him, to bring us to his home so that he could be our bridegroom. Odysseus didn't stay in Troy after he conquered so that he could enjoy the spoil and the life of ease that it would have given to him. His trial revealed to him what was in his heart, and so will ours. So we're called to remember trial, but we're also called to remember grace. <clears throat> trial at times is a function of God's discipline. Isn't that true? We do something stupid, and God disciplines us, just like a parent would with a child, because he loves us. When we're stubborn and sinful, God often sometimes sends some storm or some desert to teach us a lesson. Verse 5 reads, Know that in your heart, that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. But trials aren't always because of hard hearts, of disobedience. Trials come to those who on a certain level are innocent, like Job, right? But whether we've provoked the desert or not, these storms, these deserts, serve the same purpose in our lives. They're meant to lead us to remember the grace of God so that we can delight and be in awe of his grace. And what I mean by grace is all the benefits that God provides to us without any contribution from us. That ranges from our salvation and forgiveness of sin and eternal life to the very fact that we exist. God gave us physical life, not because we earned it. I didn't exist. How could I earn anything? Right? So it's by grace that we even have life. It's an undeserved benefit, favor from our God. This is what we mean theologically when we say that God is independent while we are dependent. God is life. He's not dependent on any other thing for life. He is life. We are not life. We depend on God for life. Without him, we don't have it. Paul said that in him we live and move and have our being, have our life, our breath. 
So, friends, this is the theological meaning of grace. God independently bestows on us, without our help or our effort or our merit, all that we need, that without which, if he had not provided it, we would be nothing. So we read of the Israelites in verse 3, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, on his grace. We are nothing without his grace. We are not our bank accounts. We are not our work or efforts. We are not our, all our degrees that we have from our schools. All of these things are a gift of grace. We wouldn't have the brain to think of doing any of it if it weren't for our God holding our brains together and giving it life. When he told Israel to remember their trial, he was telling them to remember God's grace. They shouldn't have lived. They should have died of starvation and dehydration. That's just the lesson you get from this. Friends, feet that are constantly walking in deserts and wilderness for 40 years should swell. But it says in our text, they didn't swell. Clothes that are worn every day in blistering heat in a dirty climate should wear out. But he says your clothes didn't wear out and your feet did not swell. And when you're hungry and there was no food, I caused it to grow from the rocks. I was with the Asselin family this past week and they had um, a unique and supernatural amount of peace um, when we met um, at um, Victoria and Jason's house. And I'm sure there are days where maybe that's not so much the case. But at least in that moment, there was this amazing peace and calm that they had experienced. And, and some of them, I forget who, maybe they all asked me this, but they, they asked me, and I, I don't think, I think they were actually really curious, like, why do I have peace right now? I shouldn't. And they shouldn't. They should, no one should have peace at a time like this. Feet should be swollen that have walked many miles in desert wasteland. Clothes should be worn out, right? And, oh, we should be panicked when we lose the people that we love. Not have joy, not have peace. And why do they have it? Why did those feet not swell? Why did those clothes not work out? Because we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. His grace sustains us. Amen? Amen. His grace. <clears throat> God had provided and sustained the Israelites, and that's the point. We can't ma manufacture life. We can't bail ourselves out of our own problems. And if you think that you have, you simply just haven't figured out yet that God was the one animating your little brain to help you bail yourself out. Right? You just haven't given him credit for it. You thought it was you when it was actually him. But there's more. We're to remember trials. We're remember to God, we are to remember God's grace. But we are also to remember his word, God's word, which we've just kind of hinted at a moment ago. I want you to fast forward now. So we're about 1500 B.C. with Moses. Right? So 1500 years later, Jesus would be born. That's a long time, right? I would say so. Fast forward 1,500 years from the time God gave this word to, to, to Moses. I want you to recall Jesus' words 
to Satan when Satan was tempting him in the wilderness. Do you remember this? He was hungry. He was fasting. And Satan said, you turn those stones to bread. You have the power to do that. You created the galaxies with your word. Just speak it and it exists. If you're hungry, turn those stones to bread. Jesus replies to him, quoting our text from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now this is very important to understand. Moses told the Israelites that God withheld food and then provided manna supernaturally to teach them that man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the the mouth of God, which is kind of, to me, that's not the lesson I would get. I would get that we don't live on, on the word of God, but we live on the bread that he provides. I wouldn't eliminate the bread from the, cat, from the conversation, right? So let's, let's talk about this a little more. Some people say that what this means here is that our spiritual life, God was giving them sort of like a visual aid, that just like your body needs bread for life, so your spiritual life needs, needs the word of God for your life, to, to, for you to be reconciled and have life with God. Does that make sense? And that's how some people interpret this. So they say that our spiritual life is created and sustained by God's word and will. And that's true, by the way. We read that in other places in the scriptures. But this passage, I think, is simpler. It's more literal. God was telling the Israelites not simply that man's spiritual life depends on his sustaining word, but their physical life does too. We don't live even physically without the word of God. John Calvin explained it well. Men, quote, men do not only live upon God's bounty, that his bread, men do not only live upon God's bounty when they eat bread and drink wine, but even when all supplies fail them. In other words, they don't have bread or wine. Eternal life, he says, is not being referred to here. But we are taught that although bread and wine fail, our bodies may be sustained by God's will alone. In other words, even if we have no bread and we have no wine and no food, our hearts can still pump and God's word can keep our physical bodies alive for a hundred years without it. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by the word of God. So what do we trust first? Not bread. We trust the word of God. We trust in him. We don't ask him, oh God, give me all these things so that I can have life. We say, God, speak, and I'll have life. I need you for life. You see the difference and how important that is? God keeps our bodies alive, not food. God keeps your body alive, not food. He normally uses food to do this, so please eat. But he doesn't need to. The lesson is not that we're to trust God for food so that we might have life, but we're to trust God for life even when we have no food. See? And oh, how this is wonderful to consider, the word of God. We think we need romance to have contentment and companionship. We need vocational success. We need multiple degrees. Even the most basic needs, God alone can overrule them and supply everything you need without them. You can be completely alone and yet not lonely, in Christ. 
You can have absolutely no money, but in Christ be the richest person on earth. You can have no earthly status or advantage at all, yet be called kings and queens in Christ. That's what this means. So we are told, remember God's word. Remember what he has said, what he has told you about you and about him and his great love for you. To keep it, to follow it, to remember it, because in it is life. And finally, we're going to close with this. I want you to remember hope. Remember hope. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord has promised. The Lord has promised us a land. And it is not Israel. It's not Jerusalem. It is eternal life. The Lord has promised us in Christ when we put faith in Jesus that our sins are forever banished from ourselves and from his presence. We're forgiven and we are escorted into eternal life as his bride where we will feast in the house of Zion. So you're lonely today because you don't have a man or a woman. Well, I have good news for you because the creator of all things has wed himself to you in Christ. And he is a better spouse. I love my wife. She doesn't get much better than Mandy. <laughs> but it doesn't get much better than Jesus Christ. You say, oh, I'm poor. I don't have anything in this life. I don't have anything in this. You should see the apartment I live in. I don't have a car. The food I eat is just, I, don't, I wouldn't give it to animals. Well, I got good news for you, because when you enter into the King of Kings, you're going to feast at his table, and you're going to be given everything. This whole universe is going to be yours to govern, because that's what he said in his word. I'm not just making this up. The Bible says this in Psalm chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 2. Go, and re go, go home and read it. We inherit the earth. God's kingdom is ours to rule with Jesus over. Oh, isn't that good news, friend? We have a hope for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. The desert doesn't last forever. A land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. And oh, I love when we talk about heaven, we think so often about the loved ones that we've lost that we'll see again. But friends... I just want to remind us all that when we're greeted in heaven, it's not going to be by our dog or by our, our husband or wife or children. It's going to be by the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven is heaven because he's there. It's because he's there. And you say, well, I don't know if all my family members will be there. Heaven is not heaven because they're there, but because Christ is. And oh, that's the icing on the cake too, by the way, because in Christ we'll see them again, but, they are, but heaven is not heaven because of their presence, it's because of Christ's. Isn't that great? The King of Kings, Lord of Lords, our hope. He is bringing us to a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. In other words, what this is describing is that eternal life, all of our needs are satisfied. All of them. And we read in the book of Revelation that in this place, in eternal life, there is no more pain or sickness or crying or grief. For the former things have passed away. Amen? Look back, friends, and remember the trial. Look back and remember God's miraculous supply of grace. Look back and remember the sustaining power of his word. But friends, also look back to the promise of God so that you can look forward to an eternal hope. Look back at this promise 
and then look forward to his eternal kingdom, the good land, where you lack nothing, where not a hair on your holy head can ever be harmed again. Which, by the way, I heard Mike really loved his hair, so. Just had to say, I had to sneak that one in. I didn't know that. I was belly laughing with Sue. She was like, yeah, well, tell me about your husband. It's just like, you know, pleasant memories, things like that. And they just all kind of in one voice said, yeah, he loves his hair. I'm like, what? And I just started, like, I, th I didn't think I heard him right. So I was like, did you say he loved his hair? He's like, yeah, he spent a lot of time on his hair. <laughs> I didn't know that. He did have good hair, though, didn't he? Um, but in heaven, friends, all that hair you have, it's going to be back in your head. <laughs> Not a hair on your holy head will ever be harmed again. You'll never be left again at the altar, at all those altars of life that you've been left at. Jesus Christ is present, he is king, he reigns, he doesn't change his mind, and he loves you forever. And you're going to be able to sing, no matter what might have befallen you in this life, that the lot has fallen unto you on a fair ground. Yea, I have a good inheritance. Let's pray. <clears throat> I'd like if, it, if a few people right now could um, just randomly... Um, just pray. Pray for the Aslan family. Pray for different things going on. If, I'll just kind of let people just, just take a few minutes to do that. So whenever anyone is ready, just shout out your prayer, okay? God, we thank you so much, Lord, for um, the hope that you give us in Christ. We grieve, yet not at those, as those without hope. So we take our grief to you and trust to you um, that we have a good inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to turn now to um, take communion together. Today is the fourth Sunday of the month, and um, you should have received a, 
the elements at the door. Um, we're, we're trying to do like a sort of like a COVID friendly way of communion. And um, um, you'll notice that that you'll have a little cup of juice and there's two layers that you peel off. The top layer is for the cracker. And um, I don't think I got one. If someone can bring one to me, that would be great. Um, I don't think, Dave. yeah, could you get one for me, Hosea? Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, you take the top layer off for the cracker and then there's another layer for the juice. So if you took it off and you see juice, then you missed the cracker. It's probably in your hand. <laughs> so thank you. <clears throat> so we turn now uh, as a church to the Lord's Supper. Uh, we're told to do this um, when we meet by Christ. Um, it's a time to remember um, what he has done for us. Um, if you're not a Christian yet, um, I would just ask you to sit this out. Um, this, is a, this is a demonstration of active faith in Jesus Christ. What you're saying when you do this is that you believe in Jesus, that he's your Lord and Savior, that he died for your sins. If you're not really sure... If that's you or what to make of that or, or you're confused by that, we would just ask you to sit the, this out. Um, we, we, um, so it's very similar to like baptism. We wouldn't, we wouldn't baptize you unless you understood those things. It's a demonstration of faith. So um, what we'd like you to do, if you're here and you, you haven't had faith yet in Christ, um, we would like you to do just something really important for you, actually. Um, this, this is a demonstra demonstration of corporate faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, God's people together, coming together, saying that Jesus' death and resurrection is for me, for us. So watch it. We're going to pray. You don't have to pray. Just watch the people around you um, to do that. And even maybe to do some silent prayer for yourself. Just ask God, like, where, who are you? Can you reveal yourself to me? Things like that, okay? Um, but we turned together as a church to the Lord's Supper because <clears throat> it's a time when we who call Jesus Lord and Savior remember that... <laughs> That, you know, this, this symbolizes blood and death. This should be ours, right? But it was Christ's, right? Like, and we drink it and we eat it because we're incorporating what he's done. That's the symbolism. It, be, it, it becomes absorbed into us. His death and resurrection because, becomes our death and resurrection so that we can have his life too. Um, it's a time to remember that because he's alive, so are we. Because he rose from the dead, and is forever in the eternal presence of the Father. So will we be that good land. So I'm going to say a prayer in a moment. Um, and I'll read some scripture. And at that time we can take the elements. And if you want to pray with me. Um, um, I would encourage you to do that. Um, it's at the Lord's table again that we're reminded that the death and resurrection of Jesus. God's son. God in the flesh. Is the only source and power for our forgiveness of sin, and for our eternal life. Amen? So let's pray. We're going to begin with uh, just a few silent moments of confession. Oh Lord God, we thank you, Lord, that you are slow to anger, and that you abound in loving kindness. That we know that your word says that if we... Um, that we shouldn't take the supper in an unworthy manner. So in other words, we need to con confess sin to you um, before we take this. But that doesn't mean we've got to do penance and we've got to pay for things. We've just got to acknowledge it, confess it, turn from it. So we, we thank you, Lord, that you are slow to anger and that you abound in loving kindness, that you've done these wonderful things for us. 
your word says in the words of Christ. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Let's take the cracker. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I will drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's drink the juice. Oh, how marvelous, God, is, uh, is your grace and all that you've done for us. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the unity that you've given each member of the body of Christ, not just in this local church, but your church universal. We love you. We thank you for the death and resurrection of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, would you all stand with us? We're going to sing one more song, and that will be the conclusion of our service. Okay? So we're going to sing um, I'll Fly Away one more time, okay? When, I, when, I, um, when my, my wife first got, came to faith in Christ, I was talking to her about heaven and like, what do you want to do with Jesus when you get to heaven? She's like, I, I want to fly through the galaxy because she loves stars. So I'm like, I think, I hope that you can do that. I don't know for sure. It doesn't say it in the Bible, but I know Jesus can do it. So we'll fly away. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home. On God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Yeah, let's put our hands together. It's good news, isn't it? It's great news. Oh, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Oh, I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away in the morning when I die. Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. When the shadows of this life have grown, I'll fly away like a bird from prison bars have flown. I'll fly away. Oh, I'll fly.
That's our living hope in Christ. We thank you for eternal life. We remember, God, our trial. We've lost someone we love, but we remember your grace that you're sustaining us. And we remember our hope that Christ is coming. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, friends. Have a great Sunday.